0: You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. We have a, a really sweet lady who attends our church. Her name is Andrea Tillett. And Andrea found out the other day that she, or a month ago, that she had a brain tumor. The good news was it is benign. They removed the tumor, but this week she had to have a small procedure done. I ran down to the hospital to see her and to pray with her. And when I started to walk in the door she was kind of setting up in bed, but her body was slumped over and her eyes was closed and she was sound asleep. And so when you go to see somebody in the hospital, the question is always, do you wake them up or do you just like leave your card and let them sleep? And I usually wake them up because I've driven all the way down there and so I think I'm gonna try to see it. So I I realize as I'm trying to walk closer to her bed that she is watching, has been watching something on, on her iPad. It's propped up on the nightstand. And and obviously what she was watching was not interesting enough to keep her awake or engaging enough. And then all of a sudden, I thought I was hearing a familiar voice. And sure enough, propped up, she's watching last Sunday's podcast of my sermon. She is sound asleep. I mean, snoring kind of asleep. I have put her completely out. And so if you are... Uh, You're here this morning and you need a nap. Maybe you have come to the right place. Maybe this is right where you ought to be, you know. Hope I don't put you to sleep. I was actually preaching on that podcast from last Sunday's sermon about what I dream about, when I dream about my future and when I dream about your future, us together as a church. And I was talking to you about John the Baptist seeing these two... um, with rather these two followers, disciples of his, and he sees Jesus. And do you remember what he says to them? Look, the Lamb of God. And it was the second time that he said it. And, and two of those disciples, he's really saying, you ought to follow this guy. You should, you should see what he has to say. And so two of the disciples, one's name is Andrew. We don't know the other one's name. Maybe John, the apostle who wrote the gospel. They start following Jesus. And Jesus turns around and says, what do you want? I told you last week that I thought it was a great question. You're a follower of Jesus, right? What do you want? Are you a follower of Christ? You're following Him, right? So what do you want? And so those disciples responded to Jesus, it's not what we want, it's who we want. And the who we want is you. We want to be with you, Jesus. We want to know where you're going. We want to spend time with you. We want to be in your presence. We want to talk to you. We want you to talk to us there. That's what we want. We want to hang out with you. And I love Jesus' response. Well, if that's what you want, then come on. And so they spent an entire day with Jesus, hanging out with him. Now, here's where we're going this morning. What happens as a result of being with Jesus for a day was that they have to do something now. They are burning to do something. They are designed to do They can't help but do something. and they go find other people and they tell them about Jesus, and they bring them to Jesus. I want you to know who I know. I want you to be with who I've been with. I want you to experience what I've been experiencing. And so they go, and they find people, and they bring them to Jesus after they've told Him what they've experienced. So I want to I share this story with you, okay? So will you go with me to the Gospel of John? Chapter 1, Gospel of John, chapter 1, and I want to start reading with verse 40, okay? So Andrew is Simon Peter's brother. We don't hear much about Andrew except that he was Simon Peter's brother. He really is only center stage in the Scripture three times, and we will talk about those three times. So Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. So these two disciples that are following Jesus, and he says, what do you want? One of them was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. I want you to read in unison with me for a couple of sentences will you do this the first thing andrew did was to find his brother simon and tell him we have found the messiah that is the christ and he brought him to jesus the first thing andrew did was to find his brother simon and to tell him we have found the christ and then he brought him to jesus So here here is Simon Peter standing in front of Jesus for the very first time. First time to meet him. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus looked at him and said, "You are Simon, son of John." In other words, I know you and I know your daddy. And then he does something that seems a little bizarre. He changes his name. He gives him a new name and a new identity. He says, you will be called Cephas. Cephas is Aramaic. The language, Aramaic. And so, John does what he often does for his Greek readers. He translates it into Greek. Which, when translated, is Petros in Greek. Peter. If we translated the word petros in English, it would be rock. So this is God's word for us today. I went to church uh, not too long ago and I don't get to do this very often, but once in a while <clears throat> I get to just go to church and, and and not preach or not be, you know, the pastor in that particular setting. And so I know this guy, the guy who was preaching, the pastor. He's, he's a nice, nice man. I like him a lot. Um, known him for maybe a couple, couple of years now. And so he's up there preaching. And, you know, I love it when I get to just listen, you know. He says this, though. Since Jesus was a friend of sinners, and I mean he's on a roll at this point, right? He's, he's, he's stoked. He's pumped up. Since Jesus was a friend of sinners, you would think that more of his followers would be friends of sinners and not simply churchgoers. And he says it with lots of passion. So you think that since Jesus was a friend of sinners, you would think that more of his followers would be a friend of sinners and not just churchgoers. so I don't know if you ever do this when I preach, but I became a little defensive. And I kind of said to myself, well, I think a lot of us are more than just churchgoers, okay? I think there's a little more to us than that. And then the conversation kind of keeps rattling in my head. We'll just go back to the first part then. Jesus was a friend of sinners. You're a follower of Jesus. How many friends do you have that are sinners? And so the first thing I did was what I do when I get pulled over. I tried to play the pastor card, you know. But I'm a pastor. And I began to sit there and kind of crumble inside before the Father. I took out my phone and I looked at people that I'm praying for who don't know Jesus. And I think praying for people is really good. But I began to ask myself, how good of a friend am I to these people? Am I nurturing these relationships? Come on, Ricky, are you a friend to sinners? And I had to admit to myself, I'm not. I'm not right now at this season of my life a very good friend to many sinners. It's not the story that I read in the book of Acts. The story I read in the book of Acts is a very different story. It's a story about a group of people, and I keep reading phrases like this. They continued to testify to the resurrection of Jesus, they never stopped preaching and teaching the good news about Christ. On one occasion, a couple of them actually said, We cannot help. (laughs) I can't help it. You can understand it. I can't help but tell what I have seen and heard. Wherever they were scattered, and they were scattered because they were being persecuted, they were running for their lives, they continued to share the good news of Jesus. Wherever they were scattered. It seems to me that from there, to hear something has gone terribly wrong in the church world. So, let me, let me tell you a story to explain what I'm trying to say. I was at a church board meeting a few weeks ago, and one of the ladies on our church board said, You remember the time we went down to Midtown when we were praying about planting this church? You remember we went and ate at different restaurants and then we all met at the Sandridge building. We have a guy on our board who works there and he said they would let us have a prayer meeting in their building. We could go up to this upper floor and it's all glass windows and you can just look around and see the whole city. It's, it's a beautiful setting. What a place to pray for the city. We can pray from there. She said, you remember when we got off the elevator up on that floor, there was a lady there, cleaning lady. Her, her apparel kind of gave her away. It was apparent that she was a Muslim. And she said, when I got off the elevator and I saw her, I thought to myself, wait a minute. This is like a plant, isn't it? Like Rick and Chris, they did this. They set this lady up. She's not Muslim at all. She doesn't even work here. This is like a test, isn't it? And she said, I stood back to wait to see what anybody would do and nobody, she said, I don't think we really saw her. And finally, before we went home, she was still around the area and I went over and introduced myself to her and told her my name and I asked her her name and I told her what we were doing and why we were there and what we were praying for and she was very kind. Man, we're going to a prayer meeting, you know. We're going to go pray that we will help people in this community find Jesus. And we didn't even notice the lady in the room with us. You know, it's like we get up in the morning, we're going about our day. Lord, help me provide an offering. I think that's a great prayer to pray. I love that prayer. I want to take an offering Sunday for restoration to be a part of the restoration of this community and that community. I think that's great. In fact, I think it's really good. But how many people do we pass by that we engage in conversation, that we see, that we talk to, that we live life with, and they never come to our mind, this is a person who really needs to hear about Jesus and maybe would appreciate a really good faith conversation. That's why I think something's gone terribly wrong. What changed? When did we stop seeing people for who they really are? And why did we stop burning in our hearts to tell people about Jesus? Now, I realize there's some of you who, who you do really well with this. I mean, you, you, you're, you're doing great. You know, there's some of us that really need a revival in our hearts. And it's not something we have the power to create on our own. I think we come before God humbly saying, I need a fresh touch from you. Something has got to change inside of me. I can't keep living like I'm living. We don't know a lot about Andrew. We know that he was born in a village called Bethsaida. We know that he was the son of Jonah or John. He had a brother named Simon Peter. And Simon Peter is the guy that we know a lot about, right? He was in the inner circle of Jesus. He did some amazing things. He had this great confession of Christ. Jesus set up on that confession, I'm going to build my church. But Simon Peter is more in the background. I mean, but Andrew is more rather in the background as a brother to Simon Peter. We know that his brother, and he had this occupation of being a fisherman. We know that he was very fond of John the Baptist and became one of his disciples. But we don't know a lot more about him. And so, John tells the story like this. After he would spent this day in the presence of Jesus, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and to tell him, we have found the Messiah. And then he translates it from Hebrew into Greek for him, for his readers rather, that is the Christ. Which means anointed, God's anointed one. And he brought him to Jesus. So, he found him. That means he went looking for him. This was very intentional. There was a burning within him. There was a desire. There was a need. He had to share this with somebody. He wanted to tell his brother. So he goes looking for him and he finds him and he tells him about Jesus and he brings him to Jesus. You remember the story about the woman at the well? Hasn't really lived a very moral life. And Jesus is faithful to call her out on it, but He's a lot of love too. And after she has this encounter with Jesus, she goes back into town. Do you remember what she says? You have got to come and meet a man who told me everything I have ever done. So she goes and she finds some people and she tells them and then she brings them to Jesus. And the Word of God says that many put their faith in Him that day because of her testimony. Do you understand the power of an invitation? Lewis McLean was a young boy living not too far from here. And a friend invited him to come to the Floyd Center to play ball. And so here is a little boy, Lewis McLean, our pastor, Lewis McLean, invited to the Floyd Center to play ball as a little boy. And so he goes. And he likes becoming a part of the people there in that community. And he talked to his parents and they decided to visit this church and they began attending this church. Lewis went to the university that is next door and he becomes a pastor on our staff. I don't know how many people's lives have been touched in such a powerful, positive way by Lewis. And I don't know how many people are Christian today because of Lewis's witness. And you go back and you think about the power of that little invitation when a little boy said, You want to go play ball with me, Lewis, at my church? I want to think about sports ministry here, recreation, you know what Natalie Espinoza talks about, our recreation director? She says behind every basketball, soccer ball, baseball, there's a child. Behind every child, there's a family. And we want to help connect that family to Jesus. And so your kids playing sports here is more than about just your kids playing sports here, which we love that your kids get to play sports here. But what an opportunity for your kids to say, you want to go to my church and play ball with me. The power of an invitation. And so John the Baptist tells Andrew, look, the Lamb of God, you should spend some time with Him. You should talk to Him. And Andrew, after he spends time with Jesus, goes to his brother Simon Peter and says, you got to come and see the guy that I just met. And Simon Peter gets up one day on Pentecost and he preaches and 3,000 people become followers of Christ in one day because John the Baptist told Andrew and Andrew told Simon Peter and Simon Peter tells multitudes of people. The power of invitation is overwhelming. Overwhelming. So let's get real with each other and look each other in the eye for a minute, okay? So if I stand up here and I say, Ken Jones, you should tell more people about Jesus. That would be a true statement. I should too. And I might even fire you up this morning. And I get up and I look at you guys and I say, You know what, Rick? Man, you should be talking to more people about Christ. And I could look over here and say, Hey, you know, you guys should be talking to more people about Christ. And I think I could probably fire you up, but it's a fire that would burn out really fast. You can't forget what happened yesterday. Yesterday, Andrew and John spent the whole day in Jesus' presence. And they weren't going to tell people about Jesus because they thought they should or because a preacher was telling them they should. They were going to tell people about Jesus because they had been with him all day. And they went running out of there saying, Come on, you've got to meet the guy that I met. I want you to know the guy that I know. And so why, why aren't we doing that? And maybe the better question is, Why aren't we nurturing our own relationship with Christ more? That's where it starts. See, if you look at me and say, Rick, don't you love the Lord? Yes, I love the Lord. Aren't you trying to live for Him? Yes, I'm trying to live for Him. Aren't you praying? Yes, I'm praying. Hey, Rick Harvey, do you need a revival in your heart and in your life? I need a revival in my heart and in my life in the worst way. Because I think if my relationship with Him is burning brighter, I'm going to be saying, I want you to know Jesus like I know Jesus. This is what I'm praying for. You understand that what I'm talking about is not something we can do on our own. It's what God does in us. There's a lady who attends our church. Her name is Linda. We ask her to pray as a church board member about planting a church in Midtown in Two Lakes. You know what happened to Linda. She went home and she said, Lord, this feels hypocritical. Why am I praying for the people to get saved in Midtown and Two Lakes when I've never even witnessed once or reached out to anybody in my own neighborhood? And so she starts baking cookies and she goes and takes them to the doors of all of her neighbors. And she invites them to come to her house for a Bible study. And lo and behold, they show up. Twenty-five people show up. Linda, you don't have to have it at your house anymore. We'll have it at our houses. We'll make a schedule. You don't need to provide snacks. We'll get the snacks covered. You teach this stuff. This is what we need to hear. It's what we want to hear. And at the end of one of the sessions, two ladies said, Linda, we know what you're talking about. We hear you. We know what these other people are saying, but we don't know who you know. We want to become a follower of Christ. Would you teach us how we could become followers of Jesus? And in that setting, she prays with them to become Christians. And if we say, wow, look, Linda, you go. You're good. You're doing great. She's going to say, no, 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 you don't get it. This is not what I did. This is something God has done in me. I did not create this. God created this. I didn't stir this. God stirred this. I didn't change me. God changed me. And every time I talk to her, she's always, no, Pastor, this is what God has done inside. We had a staff retreat about nine months ago. It was really good. A guy named Barry Brown came and spoke for us. Do you know that name? He was raised in this community. And he loves to talk about moving here with his mom, I think, and sisters when he was very young, and this church reached out to them and this community loved them and helped raise him. And oh he's he's a special guy. Some of you probably know him well. I'd only met him that that was my first time. So he spoke to us as a staff and he talked about identity, your identity in Christ. And it was really good. Every session was really good. We played together. We ate together. We met together. He opened God's Word to us. We prayed. It was, it, was, it was good for us. So last night we were together. He says, okay, here's what I want you to do. After he had spoken about our identity in Christ. Go off by yourself. Find a place to pray. And, and maybe God has a name for you. So, if God gave you a name, what would be the name that He would give you? And maybe as you pray, and He said it's very personal. I don't tell anybody, but I have this name. And when I pray, I envision a conversation. God calls me by that name. So I went off and prayed. I didn't, I didn't walk away with a name. It's been a journey for about nine months. And I said to some other people on staff, Did you get a name? Yeah. Wish I'd have gotten a name. (laughs) Jesus, this is my brother Simon. I really enjoyed my time with you, and I was very excited. And I wanted him to meet you. So this is Simon. Jesus says, Hello, Simon, son of John. I know you, <laughs> I know your father. I'm going to give you a new name. From now on, Cephas. John says to his readers, Petros, rock, Peter. I want to talk about it for a minute, okay? In the Greek world, the ancient Greek world, Greek was such a common language where Jesus was. And so you might have, you would have your your birth name, your native tongue, your birth name and your native tongue, but it would not be unusual to take up on a, a Greek name. Like sometimes people come here for other countries and they have names that are really hard to explain or, or to pronounce rather. And, and they'll just give me an English name. You know, a person who is, who is maybe from China will say, my name is Amy. You know, and I'm thinking... Okay, that's your English name. I understand you've taken an English name. And so people would take a Greek name. And so it wasn't uncommon to do that. Like there's a disciple in the New Testament of Jesus. His name is Thomas, who is also called... Didymus is correct. And so Thomas is his Aramaic name. His name he was given at birth. Didymus would be his Greek name. It means twin. And so... It wasn't unusual that you would have your, your name, but then you would take a Greek name. But, but there's even more happening than, than what I'm sharing with you here, okay? Um, Peter wasn't actually a name that other people had. It was more like a nickname, like we would, you know, Rocky, you know, today, something like that. It wasn't a common name for people. But, but, but what is deeper than that is that in the Old Testament, when a person had a special encounter with God, they were often given a new name. It's like you got a new life, a new beginning, okay? So you got a guy whose name is Jacob, and Jacob becomes who? Israel. And so all the descendants of Israel are who? They're the descendants of Jacob, right? The nation of Israel, the nation of Jacob's descendants. you got a guy in the Old Testament, his name is Abram. Everybody calls him Abram. That's his name. His name is Abram. But in chapter, what, 15 or 17, God says, I make this covenant with you, and from now on you will be called Abraham. That's right. And so Jesus looks at Peter, Simon, and he says, I'm giving you a name. Everything changes for you from here on. You're going to be called Peter. And so... Jesus was speaking prophetically into His future because He wasn't speaking about who He was in that moment, but who He could become. It's important to hear this and to be reminded of this. Was He a rock? Hardly. Get it? Hardly. (laughs) He blows it time and time again. He denies even knowing Christ. He just makes a whole mess of everything. He talks way too quick. Sticks his foot in his mouth. You name it, he does it. Did he become a rock? On the day of Pentecost, he gets up and preaches. You killed him. He was the Messiah. You should repent. And 3,000 people get saved that day. So Jesus is speaking into his future. It's not who you are today. But it's who you're going to become so I've been dreaming. I've been dreaming about me and I've been dreaming about you. I've been dreaming about us as a church. And what if we were hungry for God? And out of that intimacy with him, out of that relationship, there comes this need, this burning desire that we have got to go tell people about him. I want you to know who I know. So how do you talk about that? See, I think when you dream, that's about vision. And vision is about who we are, not what we do. That's mission. And so I think maybe God has given me my name. And I think maybe He's given all of us a name. It's not like a name you would call somebody by, but it's who we are. What if we were the church? What if we were the people? Because of this intimacy with Christ, that we make every effort to connect people with Jesus. What if that's who we became? So you say, Rick, would you describe yourself right now as a person who makes every effort to connect people with Jesus? I would say, no, I'm not that kind of person. It's who I want to be. I'm trying to speak prophetically into my future. I think God is trying to speak to me. Is, is Bethany First Church the kind of church that makes every effort to connect people with Jesus? I would say, well, sometimes we make some effort, but no, I don't think we could say we're the church that makes every effort to connect people with Jesus. But it's who I think we could become. What if God changes our identity? What if we become the people who hurt for lost people? What if we become the people who stop at nothing to share Christ with others? And again, you're not going to get there because the preacher gets up and says, You should! God's going to have to do something in us. So Annette and I, one night early in the month of May, were out at um, this little nursery place where you buy flowers and stuff. Standing in the rain. The reason we were standing in the rain was because it was the month of May, and if you were outside in May, you were out in the rain. (laughs) Honestly, we kept trying to go, and it rained every night. We get off work; uh, it's still raining. We get off work; it's still raining. So we just go in the rain one night. We're standing there, trying to buy some flowers and stuff, and. And we're trying to get it in the car, and it's wet, and you're juggling an umbrella and stuff, and you're trying to put plastic down in the car. And and as we were just trying to get everything in the car, a guy walks up to me, no umbrella. I mean, it's raining hard, has been raining hard for a long time. And he says, Hey, I hate to ask this of you, man, but could you give me $13? It's what I lack to pay for a night at the Motel 6. We're we we're together and he points across the way and there's a girl standing there in the rain with a hoodie on, just kind of hunched over like this. What do you do in that moment? What would you have done? So I, I'm trying to get the truck closed. I'm trying to get the umbrella. You know, I'm trying to get out of the rain. I'm trying to answer him. I don't trying to make the right decision of what I should say. And so finally, I just said, yeah, I could do that for you. I, I, I'll tell you what I will do. I will I will drive down to the Motel 6, and I will give them $13 if you will give me your name and tell them that this should go towards your bill tonight. To which I thought he was going to say, oh, but let me explain. Uh, you see, you know, I thought there was going to be some reason why I need to give him cash or something like that. But he surprised me. He said, Thank you so much. I feel so bad about asking you for this, but I I, I am so thankful. Thank you so much. I said, okay, I'll, I'll go now. He said, all right, thank you again. No problem. So I got in the car, and they're walking in the rain, and our car is full. We, we're in our little car, and the back of it is just full. Everything's just... And I said to Annette, I said, um, I wonder if we should buy their dinner. And Annette says to me, because I've been talking to her about this for months, she says, I think we should make every effort to connect these people to Jesus. And so I pull up and I wrote on my window and I said, you guys want to run in there and we'll buy your dinner? We can eat together. Said that'd be awesome, and so soaking wet, we go into Chick Fil A and we sat down. We ate. We prayed for them when we prayed for the meal. We talked to them. We uh, juggled stuff around in our car, and we got them in it, and we got them up to the Motel Six. We got their room covered. I, I I wish I could tell you there's a lot more to that story, you know. What happened was that I've tried to call and left messages, and there's been no response. And I wonder if he's lost the phone or, you know, lost coverage to the phone. or I don't know. But that's that's it. That's all we got to do. <sighs> do I think it was a test? I don't know. I think it was an opportunity for sure. I think what we said to them probably still has value I think God uses things on and on but it made me realize that if we're going to do this it's not going to be comfortable and we're not always going to hang out with the people we just want to hang out with And that and I have been saying to each other we can't preach this stuff if we're not going to live this stuff And so what, whatever God wants to do in us, we've got to say yes. In fact, we've got to beg for God to do this stuff in us. We want you to do this. We're asking you to do this in us. What if that's who we became? What if that became our identity? We're the people who stop at nothing. We will make every effort to connect people with Christ. You want to stand with me? You can come to the altar this morning if you want. I think it's always good to do that if you choose to. Always feel free, okay? In fact, I'm not saying you shouldn't today. I'm saying you, you're welcome to. That's, that's good. But it's, it sometimes may be a choice to pray where I'm standing, and that's, that's okay too. If you want to be prayed for for physical healing or something in your life, there will be pastors here. They'll be glad to pray for you. All of that is always there for you. I want you to come if you want to come. What matters to me more than coming to pray is that you pray And if that becomes a deterrent that I didn't go down there to pray, don't let that keep you from praying, okay? That's all I'm trying to say is that you can pray anywhere. I hope you pray throughout this week. I hope God gives us a new identity. So, it would be really silly, in my opinion, to preach this sermon without saying this, however, that if you don't know Jesus this morning as your personal Lord and Savior, then I would like to invite you to come and know Him. I'm I'm talking about, this this is all free. It's forgiveness of sins, a transformed heart, a change of life, a new identity. I mean, it is life-changing. And if somebody tells you that it's something short of that, don't believe them. Just because we've tried to reduce this to getting forgiven and getting some guilt off my chest, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible talks about a rebirth, becoming a new person in Christ. And so this morning, I, I invite you to come to know Him. And if you want to pray about what God has said to you during the sermon, because I do believe that God speaks to us through his word, feel free to pray about that as well this morning. So before we go, whatever we do, whatever we do, let's pray. Okay? Lord, give me a hunger for you, for your presence. That's what I've been praying for for the last several weeks. Just just create a hunger inside of me. And, and, And out of the intimacy that I find in you, create a hunger in me to see people come to know you. So I challenge you as you go to pray that prayer with me.